Hey there, everybody. My name is Max Gomez, and you are listening to the second ever episode of Misinformed. Coming up first is club leaders Femi and Jasmine Sturdefent about the ongoing Versus event this month. And then after that, a conversation I had with grad assistant of the enrollment office, Morgan Moore, about some things that she's been working on over in that department. Well, hello again, and welcome to this week's episode. One quick note before we get into the stories for this week, I wanted to do one more call for anyone and everyone. If you or someone you know has something, knows something going on that you think the rest of the student body uh, or faculty and staff as well, I know some of them are listening, that anyone in the MISC community uh, would would benefit from from knowing about, please reach out to me. That's uh, You can get my email, max at middlebury.edu. I am really very open to to any and all stories about what's going on here here at Miss. And that's a pretty wide-ranging net. So again, please reach out to me if you've got some story ideas. So with that out of the way, as evidenced by the title, it is indeed Black History Month. It is February in this year, 2021. And that means it is the month for particularly white allies, that is the perspective I'm coming from, to volunteer time, to donate, to educate ourselves, and to educate those around us about Black history and present, all in pursuit of a a brighter future for all of us, really. So the opportunity to leverage this Miss Radio platform uh, for similar causes was certainly not lost on me. And so without any further ado, Femi, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I would love it if you two just could take a second here and introduce yourselves personally and professionally and spiritually, however you see the question. Yeah. Well, I will... I will start. I'm Jasmine Sturdefin. I use she, her pronouns. I am a hard to believe fifth semester BA, MPA students um, specializing in financial crime management. That's the professional accolade side. Um, But on a personal level, um, what do I do? I, I do a number of things. I'm living here in Southern California at the moment. Basically, since the pandemic started, I moved back home and I'm just hanging out. And yeah, I'm the co-founder, co-director for WCAPS, um, the West Coast chapter of Women of Color Advancing Peace, Security, and Conflict Transformation. And so as that organization does a million different things, and I'm, I am going to plug that old Ms. Radio episode, people should go back <laughs> and listen to the club introductions. But um, essentially, we work on amplifying the voices of women of color. We work on providing professional development opportunities for exposing people to timely topics and professional content to ultimately increase the diversity and increase the appropriate representation of women of color in the security and peacemaking spaces. Oftentimes those spaces are, as we like to call it, pale, male, and Yale. Um, And so (laughs) there's just, you know, there's so many opportunities right now and there's a lot of attention on, on diversifying those fields. And I kind of don't even want to say diversify, but like correcting the fields to reflect what the United States looks like and what the rest of the world looks like. So all of that to say, 
we do a lot of really buttoned up stuff, but today I'm excited to talk about something that's really, you know, social and cultural and creative and exciting. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> yeah. My name is Femi, he, they pronouns. Um, <clears throat> I'm one of the many co-founders of Shades at Miss, which is an independent student group, a support group that really exists to support students of color on campus, just to create a space for us to celebrate and honor the different cultural backgrounds and identities that we bring to the Miss community. Um, in, in addition to that, we tend to do a little bit of organizing work, um, whether that's in the community or uh, in community in this broader sense of Monterey County or at the Miss community. Um, and also working on bringing events uh, to campus that are centering the lives of students of color here and telling our historical um, and cultural legacies, as well as like strengthening, one of the things like strengthening an alumni, um, mentor, mentee uh, type of system that we apparently don't have, but really Shades at Miss is just creating institutional memory of students of color and and what we bring to the community that was not told prior to. And so we are the first to, to do that now and to continue to uphold that. So, and then who I am personally, um, you know, I am student, second semester, final semester, final semester at Miss, graduate in December, cause I'm doing practicum, but I am um, what, a spiritual practitioner, an artist, a community lover. I love traveling. I love just being myself and being goofy. I hate working and yeah, <laughs> that's really who I am in a nutshell. <laughs> and a co-contributor to Miss Radio as per. Yeah. Yes, and co-contributor to Miss Radio. <laughs> so now am I correct in that I heard you were both both of you are actually founding, you know, members of the clubs you're here today to represent. And WCAPS is more than just a club. It extends it's the whole West Coast chapter, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, um, we, yeah, it's the West Coast of the United States. We're kind of, you know, expanding into Mexico. So mm. keep your eyes open for that. But yeah, yeah, we uh, founded the the chapter in July of last year. And then we kicked off the club once we came back to school in the fall of 2020. And so, yeah, it's kind of an extension of the chapter, which is an extension of WCAPS mm -hmm. as a whole. Well, then moving more towards what we're here today to talk about before we get into the event itself that we're, that we're here to promote, what does Black History Month, which we are celebrating now in the month of February, what does that mean specifically in the context of your organizations? So Black History Month, in terms of Shays and, you know, Jasmine, feel free to chime in because you also are a member of Shays. Black History Month is, and I'm, I'm going to speak for me because I think there's different definitions of it, mm -hmm. right, for different people and interpretations. So for me, Black History Month in the context of Shays is really as, um, it serves as a place of like a memory, um, a place of celebration of our heroes and sheroes and peroes for those gender neutral folks out there. Um, who has contributed to the United States. And for me, being an international traveler, also international folks 
who are Black, um, thinking about the ways in which we brought music and political and cultural thought to societies that in many ways informed practice um, and improved livelihood um, and inventions and also just language. And so really it's about celebrating those who are oftentimes forgotten. It's always a first of somebody, the first Black person of something, but you know, Black History Month reminds us as people that we're not always the first, you know, but we're always forgotten. And here, here's a, here's a, um, a list of people who has been doing this work for a very long time. And so I really think that Black History Month serves for that purpose. It's really honoring our ancestors who are, you know, gifting us with land and energy and life and inspiration. And I think in that context, that's what Shays at Miss is really thinking about and in terms of like the black members who are part of that group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I retweet everything you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I think speaking for the West Coast chapter, when I think of how we like to celebrate Black History Month, it's very similar to what Femi has said. There's a lot of celebration of figures from the black diaspora. So not just in the US, but around the world. And a lot of kind of, I feel, especially in recent times, there's been much more of an emphasis on moving away from kind of the dry public education version of Black History Month, where it's like George Washington Carver invented peanut butter, like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, and moving more into the dynamic nature of Black culture and Black history and how it's still being created today. I I personally have been really trying to dive more deeply into like just resources of black joy. That's been just something I've been trying to bring into my black history month celebrations on a personal level of just seeking out examples of black creatives and black stories that represent happiness and joy and just living and and that's been really fulfilling for me. So I guess all that to say for me, Black History Month is about, you know, seeing where we've been and seeing where we're going and making sure that we're bringing light to some of the stories that, you know, maybe get skimmed over in the prevailing narratives. And it's felt really nice to kind of see that happen on a wider scale, I guess, recently to me, but um, just more generally, just hearing hearing more voices is always something that warms my heart. Yeah. And to add on, I really do think Black History Month is rooted in Afrofuturism, so this Mm. radical retelling of Black lives um, around the world and, you know, this futuristic way, a genre that's, you know, being repurposed for that very same thing of, you know, reimagining who we are and how we navigate this world, um, what powers we have and what inspirations do we carry with us. Now, so one particular medium in which we we do get to hear a lot of Black stories, and they're not always celebration, certainly, but a lot of them are, and also a medium which is, you cannot look at the history of it without it being extremely, you know, influenced by Black musicians, is music. And so for Black History Month, your clubs have come together to do an event called Versus, you know, ever since I first saw it, I was never totally sure how to pronounce it because I've been watching them since the summer, right, as they were like getting really popular. (laughs) So before we get into what we're doing here at Miss, what is this event? It's (laughs) 
<laughs> we're just doing this like silent Zoom language. It's going to go. All right. I'll get into it. So Versus is um, a web series that has been going on for a very long time, but I think um, became much more mainstream over the summer with everyone being at home because of the panorama and just basically it's when two musical artists, this is something that began in the black community, come together and they face off against one another. And so like some of the highlight kind of ones have been, I don't know, like Ashanti and Keisha Cole very recently, Brandy and Monica, obviously. I, don't, I mean, you know, it's just like, it's it's been going on for a long time. <laughs> Teddy Riley. Was it Patty LaBelle and Gladys Knight, I think? I think so. I think it was Patty so. LaBelle and Gladys Knight, which was another one that happened. You know, there's been all types, but the idea is that, you know, two um, artists that work in a, a similar space and kind of, you know, came up around a similar time. It's just, I mean, it's a way to showcase their music, um, but it's also a way to kind of like create community and reminisce if it's maybe an older artist like your patties like just kind of go back and like let's hear the hits and all that kind of stuff so yeah it just feels like a, a it's a concert it's a gathering um and so we're trying to bring that to Miz not just because I mean to me and Femi please jump in on this I it's a way to kind of gather in a virtual space but specifically doing it during Black History Month and highlighting the music of the diaspora I feel like is really about bringing people together to reminisce and you know exposing people to music that um, has been so influenced by the black community and and giving it its fair due i mean i think you see erasure of black influence across a lot of genres like when you talk about like country music or rock and roll um oftentimes people think of those as predominantly white nowadays but lo and behold like <laughs> take a look at those roots <laughs> and you know you're gonna see black creatives um influencing the music that we hear today um yeah 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 you say uh, read sweet right <laughs> but you know I, I definitely think to add on to that um beautiful narration of what verses is i think uh it's also like a a, a conversation of healing um, a lot of times what these artists are doing in these versus battle are bringing, you know, um, resolving issues that they've had in the, in the past because especially Black women, right? We saw with Brandy and Monica, the, the industry is so caught up with let's create competition um, between these two icons. And oftentimes when you're young and you don't know any better, you, you tend to engage and indulge in that negativity. And so these conversations tend to be conversations of healing, um, appreciation, inspiration, um, aspiration, things that really moved us, who we worked with, uh, what my daughter said or sons or persons, my children said when they they heard this and how it impacted them. And I think, you know, it's, it's our love letter to, to the community, to the world about um, what we kind of our way our stories, the things that we report about in our day to day. Cause that's what it is. Like R&B is about love and black political rap is more on the political side about social issues and rock and roll is more on the terms of like freedom, freedom of expression and self love. And so these different genres hold different things that, that are extensions of our beings. So 
Yeah, that's what Versus is really about. Yeah, and that your most recent iteration, because there is like that history of you know DJ battles, um, that most recent iteration that we're emulating here at Miss that, that you both are doing with the clubs is that um, like Instagram Live. I think it was started by like Timbaland and Swizz Beats, but they've brought on a whole bunch of different people since then, which a lot of which you've already listed. And one that I was thinking of as you were both talking about it, um, specifically the not about it being about pitting people against each other sort of thing, but I watched the Erica Badu and Jill Scott one, and it oh. was there was there was competition. <laughs> there was there was competition, obviously, but there was no antagonism. You know, at the end of the day, they were still celebrating each other's art, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I just feel like those two vibrate on a different level than the rest of us. Like, just <laughs> so for us here at Miss, I know last week we had two different genres facing off. There was the political rap, which I spent most of my time in, and then there was an R and B room. So how how was that event? I mean, I was there. I loved it. How was that event for both of you? Well, yeah. we both we both competed, so we had kind of an interesting yes. <laughs> kickoff to the whole series as like competitors in these rooms. Um, so for me, I mean, very much. I think that we gave off like an Erica Jilt kind of vibe. Me and Morgan <laughs> um, were doing R and B, and it was just it was really fun to put together the playlist. So basically, you sign up you you know if you want to compete you sign up you for a genre and then you kind of put your little playlist together and you go back and forth one song at a time from each person until you get to 10 of them total and so it was like it was a nice little journey down memory lane I felt myself going back to like my 12 year old days like oh what was I jamming to in the kitchen (laughs) was it like middle school um but it was also a nice way to kind of explore like what do I want to share like what what music kind of encapsulates how I feel about R&B and so for me kind of like you were just saying Femi like R&B is love R&B is you know like a very specific mood and so I wanted to bring that in I, I wanted to bring in some of like the the classic like 90s kind of vibes but I also tried to mix in a couple more modern things because I think it's exciting to see how this music grows and develops and you have new voices come into the genre. So it was a lot of fun to put that stuff together, but it was even more fun to hear what Morgan brought to the competition and kind of see the reactions to people in the room. Like it's so visceral when people are like, this is something that's pulling at like my lizard brain from when I was, you know, you know, a decade ago or whatever. And yeah, it was just the the community aspect of it is really special and what I really what I really liked about the whole experience. Yeah. Same thing for me. I came in with an intention of telling a story about um the evolution of hip hop and so what was fascinating is that I, I remember watching um now I can't even think of the show. It's going to come to me because it's, it's on Netflix. Um, rhythm and, wait, Rhythm and Flow? What yeah, is the show? Is it Rhythm competition? and Flow? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, it. But it, it was really, watching that, but then it was like this other Netflix show that was about the history of hip hop. And, um, you know, it, being from New York City, it's, you, you understand hip hop as one way, one sound, like Biggie and, and, and Little Kim and, you know, um, 
and it has this rawness to it. But then as it expands beyond the borders of New York, the sound changes. And I wanted to really showcase that. I wanted to show people, you know, what does hip hop like rap look like and like sound like in, on the West Coast, the Midwest. We don't even think about Midwest artists, right? Um, so, southern, like Southern rappers, what that looks like. And um, the beat change, the, the lyrics was a little different. And so when I came into it, I came into it with this, this um, idea of showcasing a, a collection of artists who are telling different stories that parallels um, at different time periods, both old and new artists in these different regions with different types of sounds and beats that really make you feel something visceral that's different from perhaps everybody else in the room. And that was really cool. It was really cool. It, it definitely brought me back to perhaps my younger self in the 90s of New York to my 15 years old self <laughs> being in high school <laughs> to like my 21 years old self to now my 29. So 29 turned 21 in May, but, <laughs> but you know, like it, it, it definitely um, was refreshing to, to explore the music and, and how imaginative and evolutionary it is um, at its core. And, you know, it's, it's rap, it's rhythm and poetry. So it was dope. I, I loved it. And of course I was the winner. <laughs> <laughs> with, with these with these versus battle y'all you have to remember you gotta get creative like i was like okay i'm going against deron deron's gonna come with some heavy hitters so do i want to come with some heavy hitters too or do i want to want to get very sneaky but not sneaky but do i want to um try to outsmart my competitor and think and tell this beautiful narrative so i did it in the sense of like I'm going to take you on a tour from the Northeast to the West to the South. And we're going to end at the Midwest and boom, there you go. So I'm painting an image for you with these different music, this like catalog and folks is kind of riding on that. So it's, you, you gotta be, you gotta think like that when you compete in here, you have to think about how you want to tell this story in this, in a compelling rich way and get people to be like, Oh yeah, I can, I can buy with that. You took me there. So yeah, that's what I did with my genre. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I went, I had a list of like 10 songs and I really couldn't decide. It was all game day decisions. And so I started off kind of classic and then I just felt in my spirit. I was like, I need to put some deep cuts in there. I don't care if people <laughs> know them. And so I did a little bit of that, but it was really fun. And Morgan did, she did, it was like pure early 2000s women like heartbreak kind of vibes like, are you okay it was so but it was so good because that that is like a very specific piece of the r&b tapestry and she nailed it it was it was incredible so i was like out here vibing to her music and then i'd be like oh i need to <laughs> come up with something because it's my next. so it was oh it was so fun and just like people in the chat and, like turning their videos on and just it was like a big just reminiscing moment it was great yeah so we have three more weeks of this competition coming up one of which will be tonight by the time people are hearing this Ooh. but that being said if any students have pushed listening to this off into the weekend that's okay there's still two more of these for them to come to but for tonight's battle what are the genres on the table 
we got some good ones. I'm excited that I'm not competing this time because I just really want to <laughs> listen. Okay. So the first category is Afrobeats. Um, and we have some competitors lined up for that one. And Femi, what is the other category? For the second category, we have reggaeton. And we got some competitors lined up for that one, too. So yeah. we're definitely bringing you some international diasporic music that is out of this world, honestly. <laughs> and I can't yeah. wait. If it was up to me, I, I, if I can compete again, I probably would have, but no. <laughs> and can we, I want to talk a little bit and like pull back the veil a little bit on the planning process for this. Cause we went through mm-hmm. and st- I mean, frankly, are still going through like deciding what genres were going to be featured. Cause this is a four week series. The month of February is woefully short. And mm-hmm. so we had, you know, two competitions was kind of the format we started out with. Um, two competitions every week so we were like we have to narrow it down to eight genres and how do you how do you narrow music black music down to eight genres it's impossible you cannot do it (laughs) but like finding you know there were some where it was non-negotiable like we have soul coming up the last week and there's you cannot you cannot not do soul and so we kind of had these conversations of like the really popular like crowd pleaser genres and then the genres that are really well loved and also are representative of these different pieces of the diaspora because we didn't want to just stick with like American music we wanted to make sure that this is you know exposing people or um you know reintroducing people to music from around the world that black creatives have influenced and created so um, I think a lot of that also, I want to just give a shout out to Femi for kind of keeping us honest about that and saying, listen, we're not going to do hip hop and R&B. <laughs> like, we're going to stick, we're going to do R- R&B and then we need to make sure that we come down, you know, to the Caribbean. We need to make sure that we go over to the continent. We need to make sure that we're taking people around and, and highlighting these different, these different genres. And my only regret is that we only have eight slots to do it in right and i think what's really fascinating about the you know that ideation process is really just learning about new music right because we even Mm -hmm. talk about afro jazz afro pop which is like because you could say like south african music well what are we talking about like the region of south africa are we talking about like actual south african music and Mm -hmm. okay so what what is the actual genre name because you you just don't type in like south african music you might get like american music artists and (laughs) artists and so we were saying okay afro pop afro jazz you type that in now you get a real specific you know set of artists who are creating music in this genre, which is also like a genre that infuses pop and jazz together, that gives you that that South African twist of neo-soul of 1990s music that I probably wouldn't have even came across on YouTube if I didn't, if I wasn't doing the versus battle, right? So I was like, oh, this is the music. And it even led to debate. So like, we even talked about like reggae, this broad category. Oh, yeah. um, and then we were like, well, you have dance hall, you have root reggae, which and someone who grew up like culturally, you know, Caribbean, like dad was Caribbean. I'm sitting here like, okay, I mean, dance hall can be this one way, but then what about Zook? And so when we really decided on, settled on songs like Afro beats, we had to, we were also very specific about if we pick a genre, this genre can also represent other genres. Afro beats 
is heavily ins- heavily inspired by um, dance hall music. And so you mm-hmm. hear a lot of that Caribbean tunes inside of Afro beats. And so you get that without necessarily playing like dance hall, having a dance hall genre. Um, and even with Afro soul or soul music, you still get an extension of it. And that's that's really reflective of Black culture, right? Because I think in the diaspora, we really did in, in terms of like in Afrofuturism, we found a way to connect with our ancestors. We didn't lose our, our language. We didn't lose our culture and, and white supremacy. You know, the conversations around racism makes you think that we lost it. We didn't. We found a very, a, a, a new way to, to celebrate our ancestors in a very, through music music through food and we each have our own independent types of food our own dialects or or social other forms of social linguistic features we have our own types of music that we are bringing and it's connected you know we can easily say gumbo is going to be it's like jambalaya right uh, or it can be like some type of caribbean jerk seasoning or shrimp jerk jollof food. rice right it could be jollof rice it could be so many different things so our music and our food and our language is culturally familiar and no matter which genre you are playing in you are also going to get a feel of african-american culture in the united states afro-brazilian cubano culture like cuban culture you know puerto rican you're going to get those type of cultures as well um, in addition to this genre that we're presenting now a potentially very very hard question but if I would love to hear if either of you have a recommendation for either one album or maybe just one artist for somebody to go listen to as soon as they're done with this episode to hear more about, you know, everything that you've just been sharing, to hear more about these stories. Oh my God, this is impossible. Max. It's okay, take, <laughs> take, 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 take just, a minute. Okay, so <laughs> one album that they should go listen to just to sink their teeth into... Oof. Okay. Well, I'll keep it. I'll, I'll give the same recommendation I gave during R&B last week, which was one of my all-time favorite albums, a newer artist. SZA put out an album called Control back in, mm-hmm. oh God, mm-hmm. when was it? 2017? I don't know. I, it feels like it was like, I've been listening to it my whole life, but also new. And it is, it's an album. I have a special place in my heart for albums that I listen to all the way through with no skips. And I also have a special place, bonus points for albums that can incorporate skits and I want to listen to them. And I I would consider her album to have skits in it. Like there's little excerpts of her talking to her mother and her grandmother and um, just good music. I'm I'm just like staring off thinking about this (laughs) album. Um, Yeah, I would recommend go listen to Control by SZA. Um, And I'll I'll leave it there because I just... (laughs) so many recommendations but that's mine okay for me i am a 90s 2000s head i think we have the best music i'm just gonna put that out there but neo soul if you must know anything about me neo soul which is also soul music um is my favorite favorite subgenre of soul um and so if i had to recommend an album coming out of that era 
um, which we still have modern day soul music or neo soul music today. But I would love to say, go with who is Jill Scott, Words and Sounds, Volume One. I am a big Ooh. Jill Scott fan. I tell you, not only do I have a neo soul playlist of 300 songs, but <laughs> <laughs> I will, I can play that album multiple times. And Jill Scott is like a gal from Philadelphia who started as a poet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her songs is pure poetry. Like, oh, I, I, like you have to listen to it. So yes, who is Joe Scott? Where is the sounds mm-hmm. value? It's a, what a good recommendation. Now I'm going <laughs> to pop on my Jill Scott. It's, uh, everything about Which is her. Bob, like, if I would have gotten that soul category, definitely would have won. Oh, but. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> you just would have played just Jill Scott. No other. I would have played, oh, played so many different types of people. Uh, I would have gave you some Angie Stone, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It makes me truly, I'm like, one of the big sadnesses, obviously we've all missed out on a lot during COVID, but you know, I had made plans with friends. We were going to do this whole like tour of the South. We were like, we're going to get like Essence Fest tickets. We're going to do it like just soul music holds a special place in my heart. And I feel like it's one of those musical, I mean, you can hear any type of music live and it's, you know, it, it works. It's good. But I feel like my perfect live musical experience is like summertime in Atlanta. I'm like thinking of a specific memory too, but like summertime in Atlanta, you're sitting on like a picnic blanket in like a grassy field. People are kind of vibing. Maybe people are drinking wine. There's like, I don't know, just, you know, people are milling about. And then it's just like this like soul music fest. I have a whole lineup in my head of like <laughs> on the stage, but there's, yeah, there's something about soul music that just, Anyways, welcome to the inside of my brain. <laughs> I actually did that for my birthday. When I went back to New York in uh, May, it was a perfect time to get out of Minneapolis. And we had the blankets, we had a boom box, um, mm-hmm. we played some music, but then we ended up going on a website doing some um, pre-selected or pre-made beats in the neo-soul genre. And then we just started freestyling. My best friend's a rapper um, and a lot of my, my other friends, like our little crew, two of them is one is an actor and a singer and other one's a singer. So we just like did okay. a cypher of neo-soul, soul cypher, I should Ooh. say, which is like a dream. <laughs> my best friend was the, who's a journalist was recording it, just sent me the videos and was like, the world will know about you <laughs> because I was definitely rapping. I thought I was like Tali Cohen. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm right. So I'm giving you some hard, some really black conscious lyrics. But I, I do want to say this though, especially for those who are listening, um, and for the next two weeks, I do want you to just know that. Um, Music is really, if you're scared of like participating, maybe you don't know, um, you can also, it's okay to like ask about some ideas or general points of directions. But most importantly, like you can, music is really about what you're, what's on the heart and how you want to translate that um, through this playlist and what kind of story you want people to, to know about the music and yourself. And so just pick songs within that genre. Spotify, Apple Music is really good at if you type in like soul or, or rock and roll, you're going to get 
a lot of artists under that genre and really just listen, listen to the lyrics, listen to what is being said and, and, and bring that forth. Say, I picked this because of this and what it's meant to me and my identity or my community or upbringing and how I'm connected to it. And I, I think that the, the onlookers will really vibe with that a lot more than um, you just not really putting any type of uh, detail into it. If you just listen to it. Because um, Versus is really about telling a story. Um, there's always a story involved in between the songs. And so tell that story and what it meant to you. And that's really what's going to be the, the inspiration. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah, so this is a call for participants as well as audience members, although for the one tonight, it'll be just audience but there's still plenty of time to register. But for the coming weeks, looking for participants as well, which can be done through the Eventbrite. I, we definitely have that link in the Miss Radio Instagram bio. Um, they can, you know, Student Council also has it in theirs, I think. And then um, also on my community, I think it's it's being shared far and wide throughout the month. So, um, so yes, if people are interested, highly, highly encourage at least just come part or come come watch it because it's so much fun to be a part of now as far as some more specific ways to get in touch jasmine i'll have you go first if i as an ambiguous uh, miss student am interested <laughs> in learning more about wcaps getting involved getting yes. on you know getting information where where can i go yeah so you can check us out on my community we have a wcaps west coast page um you can also email me directly. Just find me in the directory, Jasmine Sturdifan. That's honestly great. Um, yeah, and then just more generally, outside of the Ms. affiliation, you can go to wcaps.org and you can check out our chapter page, sign up for our newsletter. Um, we do a lot of recurring events um, every month, and we really are just trying to, you know, build that community and provide resources to to change the face of peace and security. So. Um, yeah, website, email, my community, check us out, say hello. Yeah, awesome. And then Femi, Shades at Miss. So like I said, Shades at Miss is a, a support group. And so mm -hmm. we're not an official club, nor do mm -hmm. we have uh, an official page. But that might change by the end of the semester for next semester, depending on how the new leaders would like to do that. But um, if you want to connect with members of Shades at Miss, just join us, join the group on my community. Um, that's definitely a group for all on that public platform um, and just be on the lookout for events and things we um, are doing. I mean, one of the beautiful things about Shades at Lens is that, and not being a club, is that a lot of the members that's a part of that support group are also leaders within other student organizations or involved in other ways. So you probably already know about some of the folks that's in Shades at Lens and that's just a really cool way to get inside of the club, but Instagram coming real soon definitely and if you want to connect with me my community is a really great way linkedin is a really great way um instagram Femi Pitti Pitti, which is a play off of any Vitti Vici <laughs> means like Femi Case or in Conquer. <laughs> so please like um just connect with me I like connecting with new people and yeah awesome well Femi Jasmine thank you so much again for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you as well as so many of our listeners later on at the event that will be tonight by the time people can hear it and throughout the rest of the month. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Morgan, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Yeah, thank you. Now you are, and I, two titles that I'm aware of, perhaps there is more, but you are the <laughs> MPA IPD program rep for student council. Right. And then also, uh, which you just told me about, the graduate assistant for the enrollment office. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Awesome. And you mentioned that there are some very interesting, very promising initiatives going on in the enrollment office that you are very involved in uh, that, you know, everybody should uh, should pay more attention to. Everybody should learn about. For sure. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. So that being said, what are some of those things? What are some of the things that you work on in that office? Because uh, I, I truly, I have, I have little to no idea <laughs> other than my own experience, like, becoming enrolled but yeah 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 no it's actually funny to have been on both like sides of the the glass I guess like mm-hmm. to be as in an app like an applicant or an applying student an incoming student and like getting random calls from people who are like yeah I'm a current student and I just wanted to congratulate you on your admissions or whatever and then being on the other side of the glass where I'm like hi I'm a current student and I just <laughs> wanted to congratulate you um so no i mean a lot of people don't really know what goes on but for me it's really been cool to like see it all come full circle so what i've been doing is i reached out to some people in the enrollment office and i asked them if they'd be you know like what what are they interested in like doing partnerships with um hbcus those are historically black colleges and universities because i'm a graduate from an HBCU, I went to Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans, and I think in a faculty meeting, they were talking a lot about enrollment and, you know, the numbers and how over the summer they got the huge wave of, like, evacuated Peace Corps volunteers, mm-hmm. um, which I'm also one of, I think both of us actually. Same, yep. <laughs> and so how that was, like, a huge boost to enrollment, but that's, you know, pretty much temporary, and so... I was like, I see this huge gap, right? Um, if we talk about being like an international institution and not really a lot of black Americans or just black people in general or from the diaspora aren't really being represented and how international an institute are we really? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do in the enrollment office with my colleagues, whose name is Jalen Rhodes, who is a graduate from Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia. We work together to basically identify stakeholders at our universities and at other universities with which we have like connections or other networking. We identify stakeholders like in different departments, whether it be like based on majors or degrees. Like I've been um, working with people at the study abroad program, like the study abroad office also within the Spanish department, also within like the languages departments, all that kind of stuff. And we just reach out to them. We say like, here's who we are, how we're connected to the school, um, what we're doing now. uh, Would you be interested in a meeting pretty much? And we just try to, I guess, establish like the groundwork for which like the director of recruiting and the director of partnerships to come in and, you know, seal the deal and this these director of recruiting and partnerships you're talking about at at different hbcus and hsis or like ours ours at miss ours at miss oh, yeah okay. so um devin ludecky and jill stoffers mm-hmm. um respectively are the director of recruiting and the director of 
partnerships at MISS. And so we try to reach out to whoever's interested. We try to engage with engage with people like at our um, other universities about like what we have going on at MISS. And then our supervisors come in, they give them the spiel. And um, it's very much in its infancy. We actually mm-hmm. haven't really completed that bridge yet, I guess, with our alma maters. But I think we're getting close, which is what matters. So that's like part of the work I do as a graduate assistant. The other part is kind of just being a guide for incoming students and providing mm-hmm. them with resources. Um, pretty much your normal like database management systems kind of work. But what was really cool for me and kind of how I kind of transformed this idea of being a graduate assistant or in my mind, like just a graduate assistant Mm -hmm. was like one girl actually got in touch with her enrollment advisor who got in touch with me and introduced me to her because the applicant wanted to hear from a student of color of what their experience at Miss was like. And I thought that was so amazing because hmm. when I was an applicant at Miss or like applying to Miss, I wanted so badly to speak with like some black students to, because that's what we do. Like as black people, like we look out for each other. We speak like this unspoken language of like, what is it like there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from there, we just like unpack all of that. And so, um, yeah, when she reached out to me, it just felt like a really full circle moment. And I was like, I'm glad that, you know, and I'm just at the t- at the time I was just in my first semester. So I was like, I'm glad that like I'm in a position where I can help you. Yeah. And yeah, that was just like really special for me. So that's what I do. Yeah. And this connection with it sounds like are you involved really in seeking out various programs at at like HBCUs and HSIs across the border, specifically yours and Jalen's like alma maters, you're kind of identifying programs where like there's incredible students coming out of these programs and they would be of like, it would be in Miss's best interest to bring these incredible students, that kind of thing. For sure. Right. Um, What we've been doing is like, yeah, targeting our specific universities that Mm -hmm. we graduated from first. Um, We're hoping to expand based on like how these partnerships go. I think I failed to mention that. So Miss already has a partnership with Clark Atlanta University. They, um, I think the the leader of the board of directors at Clark Atlanta a few years ago knew someone at Miss and they created like a connection through like their personal relationship or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's how that one came to be. That was a few years ago. My colleague who I spoke about is the first, like, Miss student to, to, I guess, be born of that partnership. Um, And so that kind of already exists. And Mm -hmm. so his work is a lot of just, like, affirming that and even, you know, branching out to other HBCUs um, in the area or in, in his network or in Clark Atlanta's network. Mine is more of, like, just starting this little program off like from its infancy mm-hmm. and um yeah well so what we do by like like to identify them we think about like our experiences in the programs like in the undergraduate programs uh, we remember like what professors did we like what classes did we like 
And we try to to form a connection between the degree programs that are offered at MIST and the degree programs that are offered at our old universities. Mm -hmm. For example, Xavier University is like the number one, when I was there, which was a few years ago, is like the number one university in the United States for putting like African-Americans in med school. It has like one of the highest ranking, if not the highest ranked pharmacy school program in the U.S. And so like, at first it was really difficult to kind of make these connections. Like why do kids who are studying medicine or who are studying like biology or chemistry, like why would they want to like come to this school, come to the Institute? Yeah. Well, as a personally, as a student who has shifted from a biochemistry undergrad to miss, I can definitely see there's, I'm sure there are others out there, but that was oh more God. of a, it's not, there was no connection drawn. It was more like halfway through. I was like, my grades are terrible. I'm going to need to switch to something, <laughs> something else. Oh my God. That was something we thought about, like, because I actually had to talk to my friends who who were still at Xavier last year, and I had to ask them, I was like, guys, what's the connection? Because I don't see <laughs> it. Like, with with undergrad students who are, like, studying Spanish or whatever, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Spanish. Mm-hmm. We have a language program, summer intensive language <laughs> program, blah, 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 interpreting, all this kind of stuff, but... I was wondering, like, like, what's the connection? And my friend, like, pointed out to me, he was like, you know, not all students, like, end up actually graduating bio pre-med, like, biology pre-medicine. Some, like, are just like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to go to med school. It's too expensive. But I already have this degree, like, kind of like how you were, like, halfway mm-hmm. through, you're like, I guess I'll just be a teacher. So I feel like MISS, like as a graduate school, is a, you know, another option, right? Good option, great option, better option. It's more like just another option, mm-hmm. right? It's another option for those who are like, I don't want to do medicine, but maybe I'm really into like international environment, so policy or something like that. Or because New Orleans is like the home of a lot of, I guess, enviro- environmental burdens or something, if you want to call them that. Yeah. I am not an IEP student. I don't know what it's called, but basically, like, a lot of the negative effects of, like, climate change and stuff like that are borne by black and brown communities, basically. And mm-hmm. New Orleans is, like, a prime example of that. Like, think about the wards. Think about Ninth Ward or whatever. Think about, like, factories and, like, mm-hmm. water pollution and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, I was, like... It was really hard to make that connection at first, but after I talked to my friends and discussed it some more, I was like, oh, wow, they're like, this could be like another option for students. And so that was really cool to see. Yeah, that was actually the first thing that I thought of when you were mentioning the uh, really prominent STEM programs at Xavier is that like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's IEP right there. And, (laughs) And the more, also the more you explained it, the more I realized there might actually be a significant amount of students there who had a similar path to me because I picked biochem because I was thinking med school. And then, but, mm-hmm. at the, but your kids, when you make that decision, actual kids, it's right. not disparaging or children almost when we make <laughs> that decision of what to study for four years to guide the rest of our career. So it is probably not as uncommon as for some reason I thought it was that people get halfway through it and you're like, maybe not, <laughs> especially one that <laughs> requires so many extra years of schooling, like, medical school mm-hmm. so what did you change your degree to I, I don't know what you got your oh i kept it no i i oh, i wow. decided to finish it out yeah good for you <laughs> oh my <laughs> god i could never i i kudos to you because thank you yeah so a couple 
last questions. One is, did did you step into this role as a graduate assistant in the enrollment office with them having already expressed wanting to make these sorts of connections? Or did you get hired for that role? And then you were like, hey, I got some ideas. I got some like really awesome opportunities for us to pursue. Um, yeah, like, I guess, you know, did it come from you? Or did they already kind of have this idea? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I get that question a lot, too, because incoming students want to know about like, graduate assistant positions and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i'm like y'all i kind of just made my own position (laughs) and then like so i guess this goes back to like being ipd mpa program rep so after i got elected which was a huge surprise like (laughs) totally unexpected i like started collaborating with the the coordinator yeah the coordinator for um mpa ipd like department the dpp coordinator whose name is jane eckland or she used to she's a fourth semester student now yeah Yeah, we love jane um now she's doing her practice home good luck baby um (laughs) (laughs) but she invited me to go to like the first faculty and staff meeting of the year and it was there where um, my supervisors were there other enrollment advisors were there other professors were there I think advisors from uh, the Center for Academic and Career Services were there. And they basically like just showed the numbers, like they threw the numbers in the Zoom chat. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like the numbers for enrollment yeah. and like in what programs, which programs have lower enrollment, higher enrollment than expected, et cetera. So I pretty much just kind of made this role for myself. And students asked me like, so how do I apply for regret? I'm like, you make it yourself because <laughs> That's what I have to do. I had mm-hmm. to do. I think I got in contact with um, Devin Ludecky like right afterwards. I sent him an email. This is like October, by the mm-hmm. way. And so I sent him an email and I was like, hey, <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm a graduate from HBCU. You guys were talking about enrollment and like levels and recruitment and stuff like that. I feel like there's a lot of things we could take advantage of like in this virtual landscape. And so if you're interested, please let me know. And that was when Devin responded like shortly afterwards, like an emphatic yes. Like mm-hmm. those were his actual words. Was, like yeah. an emphatic yes. I was like, now I know what the word emphatic means. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, let's schedule a meeting. And so I did. And this was around the time that I was taking a half semester course with my colleague, with Jalen. And I roped him into it too. I was like, get in here. <laughs> like, like, this is what we got to do. Uh-huh. Um, and he was interested. And it was in the first or second meeting that we had with our supervisors where we were like, all right, so we're going to do this. Where Devin himself said, well, I'm going to put in like, I'm going to put in a funding request so to make you guys graduate assistants so you guys can get paid for this. And I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "This is amazing," um, because that's so important. And yeah, like when we talk about doing all of this sort of work um, in anti-racism, this work in like DEI, this work in like against systemic racism, like black people and BIPOC people and people of color need to get paid to do mm-hmm. this because it's like it's emotional labor for us sometimes it's like very difficult it takes a lot of hours and so when Devin said that I was just like I'm in the right place like it it all I guess just like 
fell together the way it did. And, and I'm really happy about it. Yeah. And, you know, I will definitely be the first behind any sort of criticisms against any institution, really, or our, our school or government, whatever it may be. And I feel like there has been a lot of that well-deserved within this past year that we've seen. But, you know, there are stories like, like this about, you know, the institution actually kind of putting their money where their mouth is that I, that I hadn't heard before. And so it mm-hmm. is, I don't know if relieving is the right word, but I, I don't know. It's nice to hear that they actually are doing these sorts of things. They are getting you paid for this work that you're doing. They are working on scholarships that I think you mentioned coming down the line. Yeah, they are. For me, I guess the word that comes to my mind is like, it's very validating. Like I yes. feel really seen when mm-hmm. somebody says like, this is important. And also here's your check. Like <laughs> that, that is great to me. Like that is honestly how it should be. We shouldn't be surprised by that or, you know, find it like this should be celebrated or something like that because it should just become the norm. Yeah. Um, but talking about scholarships, I got word from someone in enrollment saying that Miss is starting to develop or will announce this month um, a $10,000 scholarship for incoming applicants who graduate from HBCUs and HSIs, that's historically black colleges, universities, and I believe Hispanic serving institutions. That is all I know about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't read anything about like the actual language of it. I don't know how it'll be like implemented or incorporated mm-hmm. into like the online application. Um, I'm not even sure what the verification will look like. I'm sure they'll just like check transcripts. Yeah. But just the news itself was like amazing. Yeah. Uh, for me, because I mean, think about all the scholarships we have. Like, if you're a Peace Corps fellow, if you're a Coverdale fellow, like you're on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, have an AmeriCorps educational award or something like that, like that's a scholarship. All the partner, Tapis, Jet. Literally everything. <laughs> like Tapif, I didn't know that. Oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Right. Shout out to all my Tapif classmates. Shout out to, hey, Jane. Sorry <laughs> to give you another shout out. But yeah, like there's a scholarship for almost everything else. And so like this is a big deal. I know people like might want to like poo-poo on it or whatever <laughs> or just be like that's crumbs or whatever. But when you think about like students who graduate from HBCUs, like, they're not, you know, in general, like, not everybody is very high income or even medium mm-hmm. income. And so, like, every penny counts. <laughs> um, it's a big deal. And, yeah, um, yeah, I think it's really cool that Absolutely. they're doing it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of focus that's been on the, like, anti-racism programming and, like, educating our student body and faculty and staff on the ideas of of anti-racism and and DEI sort of efforts. But a big part of DEI efforts is actually diversifying your student body. And this is an act towards that. And, you know, let's hope they continue that within faculty and staff as well. So we're we're looking for that next. So let's, you know, celebrate the progress here. And we got it. We're going to ask for more. Not happy yet, but we're happy about this. (laughs) Let's let's thaw out this hiring for you guys. What the (laughs) heck? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. sure. Well, with that, Morgan, thank you so much for for coming and chatting with me about stuff that, yeah, like I said, I had no idea was going on, I'm sure is probably (laughs) the case for a lot of other students. So very glad to have had you come and inform us all about that. Thanks so much, Matt.
Well, there you have it, everybody. That is it for this week's episode. One last thank you to my three guests this week, Jasmine, Femi, and especially Morgan, who scheduled and did the interview with me with less than 36 hours to go before the release, so I very much appreciated that. Once again, if you, you are a wonderful listener or someone you know has a idea for a story for this misinformed show, please, please do not hesitate to reach out. There are no bad ideas. And that's max at middleberry.edu. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, opinions expressed in this episode or do not reflect the institution, blah, 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 all that stuff. Still don't have the rights to this song. Have a great next couple weeks of your spring semester, and I'll see you again on the 26th.